Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guests this week are 90s pop royalty. Three brothers who joined forces as a band when they were kids, going on to release one of the most iconic pop tracks of the decade that went to number one in 12 countries. Within a year, they had a multi-platinum selling album, Middle of Nowhere, and three Grammy nominations, and all before they could shave. In the home state of Oklahoma, they even have a day named after them, 6th of May, which they continue to celebrate with fans all over the world. As they approach their 30th anniversary, they're as busy as ever touring and getting ready to release their 11th album, as well as building their own beer brand and an ever-growing extended family with 15, 15 children between the three of them. I'm impressed. Uh, I can't wait to hear what they've got to say today. So let's dive in, shall we, and dial them up. It's Hanson. Welcome to the show, Isaac, Taylor, and Zach. Hey. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having, Thanks for having us. us. Yeah, that's it's quite, quite an intro. Yeah, you covered it all. Thanks. Not all. Did, a lot. No, listen, there's a lot. Yeah. 30 years. When you say uh, that we're, you know, pop royalty with that level of authority, I'm just expecting a knighting soon. Yeah, exactly. I think I need to make a decree <laughs> as, as pop royalty. Just, uh, yeah, just drop me your emails. I'll see what I can do, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a long time, though, boys, 30 years. I'm 25 years since the release of Umbop and 30 years uh, marking what was the beginning of the band, obviously mm-hmm. not the beginning of your time together. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. lifetime. I mean, I, it's one of the interesting things. We've you know, been sort of marking that point with this tour. And I think one of the strange things about it is that it feels like, in some ways, it has been you know, all these lifetimes. Other things feel like they were a second ago. Um, but there's so many things that have happened from from launching the band to getting signed, you know, having that breakout, you know, starting our own label, 
um, you know, there after our second record. Then, you know, things like a symphony tour we did a couple years ago where we traveled around mm-hmm. the world with orchestras. You know, you have all these milestones and you just keep moving forward and moving forward. And we incredible fan base that we've stayed connected to, really been focused on having that community side of things. You turn around and you go, wow, it's 30 years. How did that happen? Yeah. And actually, your your appetite remains voracious. I mean, on paper, you think, are they just doing this to get away from all their children? Um... <laughs> uh, hey, maybe the, the beer company. I mean, it's good. To, it's good to brew your own beer as a beer as a business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, a very strong parenting aid. But actually, it's not about escaping your children or drinking your own beer, your own Kool Aid, if you like. It's the fact that you do keep moving things forward. But like the fact that you decided to go and tour with the symphony orchestra, it's a logistical nightmare. It's a money pit. It's a passion play. You don't do that to get rich. You do that to get fed. You know, musically fed, I mean. Right on. Right on. Absolutely. I agree with you. It is is a money pit and it is really difficult. Um, But it was extremely gratifying. And we, you know, for us, it's... we started off with music. It'll always be about creating music. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have fame that goes with the, you know, the, the some got degree of success, but it has to be something you're creating that you're interested in creating. Um, and the good thing is when you make something you're proud of, regardless of whether you have millions of fans, you, you can still sleep at night going, hey, that was something I'm proud of. And that was true yeah. with the symphony. And same with you know the new project that is basically three solar projects in one. Um, it's just about moving forward. It's about being yeah. creative. And also having the gratitude for where where you've come from, kind of merging those two things each time you come out with a new project and a tour. Yeah, and I think also what I like about uh, things like the String Theory Project, or actually, frankly, like this latest record, is is you're finding ways to reinvent yourself in some capacity. You know, like with the String Theory Project, you had new songs next to old songs, and you were able to kind of take songs very famous songs like Umbop and and reinterpret them and and kind of work them out and kind of add new emotional layers to them. And and with this latest record too, you're doing the same kind of thing where you're like, hey, normally we wouldn't kind of separate out a record quite this way and say, oh, this is Zach's portion, the Taylor's portion, this is Isaac's portion. But at the same time, we've been doing it a really long time and maybe it's a good idea to just go, hey, these are the bold colors of the brothers here, you know? Separate out the ingredients. And it is, explain, um, will you, if, uh, if you don't mind, uh, the name of the album and what it actually means because that you it's because you are from a large family it is literally your badges <laughs> of identity isn't it you're color coded yeah. like a it, filing it, cabinet yeah. <laughs> right it, it's two things one growing up we we are the oldest three of seven kids so you really had to color coordinate something to know what was yours and uh, taylor was always red and isaac was always green and i was always this blue. green sticker that's my stuff uh, but as we were talking about <laughs> names for this project and talking about sort of you know Color is something that goes into descriptive qualities of music and things. We realize, you know, red, green, blue is a color format where you can make every single color the rainbow, and yeah. it happens to be sort of how we identified as kids. And and um, so it was kind of a cool way to mix both of those ideas about here's here's breaking Hanson down, sort of deconstructing the band in a way to learn more about what it is that makes us tick, but also really in the end when we come together, that's where you get all those different styles and sounds. Probably really healthy for you to do as well, to kind of all be able to just separate yourselves out and sort of reset your hard drive, I suppose, because after 30 years, you're carrying around a lot of blurred lines, I'm sure, about who influences what, and you just homogenize. Yeah, hard drive defragmentation, right? (laughs) What I think mostly is just that it's really important to keep yourself from getting in ruts, and so you, you do different things. You do projects that are 
you know, driven by words or driven by new instruments. And, and this is kind of a new instrument in a way. It's, yeah. we, we all know how to make records, but we don't normally make records on our own. We've chosen to do it together. And so mm-hmm. it just, it works kind of muscles that you're, you're not used to in a way. And you, you Sometimes don't muscles your... you didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, you have. Well, you know, there, there are crutches that you're used to. And this yeah. was, it was such a great time to bring in collaborators too, like David Garza, who, who produced with us, and, and Jim Scott, who's just an amazing, amazing legend and producer and engineer. Uh, and that really made that really possible, I think, for this project. Uh, you guys have kind of def- defied so many odds. I mean, there's there's two, um, well, there's, there's many case studies to point to two points where you could have fallen down your own well, so to speak. Sibling rivalry, you seem to have succeeded where, for example, the Gallaghers have horribly failed. Um, but also, you were child stars who haven't been to rehab. Uh, you've kept <laughs> your heads while so many that have gone before you haven't. And, you know, I was I got into a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole with you last night. And I came away sort of thinking, you know, I say to my, my son, please just look at your career options. You know, I'm sure you say the same to your kids. Don't go into this business. It's so hard and it can fry people. And then I look at you guys and I think, well, actually, no, they've had a really nice time. They're really well adjusted. They're not they're not addicted to anything. As far as I know, they seem to have had a good time with it. How have you done that? Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. for, first of all, I mean, rehab yet. You know, <laughs> it could still happen. There's always that chance. There's always time. I don't think there's a secret. We, we really have been lucky. Uh, we have the, the things that have, the, the bad things that have happened have been, they haven't killed us. They haven't, um, the challenges we face have, have not been too destructive. Um, and and I, think it, I think really, I mean, strong family, and music, breaking out as young as we did, in our case, we wrote the songs. It wasn't somebody else's mm-hmm. idea. I think that, 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 is a big, that is a big factor because especially young artists often feel that they didn't have enough control and so they kind of almost rebel against themselves or rebel against the kind of perception of, of who they, you know, who the world sees them as or something like that. And we had our own version of that challenge. We certainly have not felt very well understood in many cases, but, but we've always had but we've always had the creative outlet to kind of lean into. I, it, would, yeah. it would probably be a mistake not to say that. I think the biggest thing is a sense of self. You know, when when you get into the world of being famous and people want a piece of you, it's really hard to find who you are. Oftentimes, and I think we were lucky that yeah. we grew up with like with a faith background, like where we spiritual knew, grounding. You know, like our spiritual grounding and like what we believed in. And that translated through the music and through the stories we were telling and, and through like as people are kind of trying to pull you apart and figure out what you are and make money off of you, you kind of go, well, I'm not here for any of those things. Like I, I really know what I want out of this life and I yeah. know what role being famous and being a musician, it's about my heart. It's about who I am. It's about sharing like the good things of, of what I've learned along the way. And, and when you're in that kind of place, I think it, it's just a better place. Yeah. You know, it's a better place to, to forward the, the ups and the downs. Trying to counteract the ego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but the you know, you part. put you push it out in a really healthy way, right? You you channel that through music. Some people just go to the bar, you know? That's no, true. They, they do. And and don't don't misunderstand. It's not that those weren't options and it's not that 
we haven't struggled with those things at times. We can give you a, a world tour of bars. Hanson's <laughs> <laughs> bar world tour. Um, but uh, but it is it, it is the, the the strange and challenging thing about this process is it is very it is a very tight rope high tight rope to walk. Anybody that's in entertainment, anybody that's creative, you have to put yourself out there. I mean, you as a presenter, as a anybody that in this industry, it. You are walking this, exposing kind of the, the layers underneath. You have to be creative. And so you you have to be stubborn. You have to have some thick skin. You have to kind of, yeah, you have yeah. to pull on something bigger. And I think part of what, what he's talking about is having a sense of purpose that's not just, oh, that, next, that single didn't work or that yeah. thing failed. Your whole life having doesn't life. revolve around how famous yeah. you are or are not. Yeah. 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 And, that, yeah. That, that and that, that's often what trips people up, right? Because you become so in sconced in a bubble of it that it's it's really unhealthy and then what would you write about because you've got no nothing to share yeah. 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 this yeah. hotel room just like the last one <laughs> well my crystal is warm exactly <laughs> but i think what you said there's like is really important it's about having a sense of self right because when you are that famous that young for that long there's every danger that you could become you as reported as in you that served out to the wider world which is an edited version of you. It's not you. Um, and to know the you from the reported you is often the secret to sanity. Absolutely. Yeah, I, Absolutely. I think to me, when you listen to our music, whether it's Umbop or whether it's Don't Let Me Down or like sort of every song in between. Or whether it's Weird or The Walk. Um, or <laughs> I, I think what you see in our music is, is really a sense of truth. Whether we always get it right or not, there, there's this sense that we're seeking something really true and and kind of sharing Honest. sharing that experience. I yeah, mean, I hope that's you know that that's been my goal as an artist. I think you see it in everything we've done, which is to iterate and to grow and to share. You know, you're not writing the same way you did when you were 12, right? Because you have all these new experiences, yeah, all this new perspective, <laughs> right? Right? You know, I'm I'm here today on a trip, you know, with my 11 year old daughter, like, and and like to see her viewing the world and the things I've experienced through this new generation, it's wild. Mm. And that, yeah. that seeps into the music you write and, and the purpose of the stories you want to tell. Is this her first trip up to New York? Yeah, this is her first Yeah, see, and, and so what's interesting too is, so you were the same age she is right now when you made yeah, your first trip. I came to New York, York. I was about 11 years yeah, exactly. old. So. It's wild, it's wild. Wow, so, uh, you're right, and now you get to look at it through her lens. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Well. This month, I can't believe, marks the 25th anniversary of the release of Umbop. So are you ready for your first question? Because it kind of sits around that. Okay. Okay, sounds good. Let's we're go for it. We're not ready, but we're going we're gonna to take it anyway. I think that there's probably something that a lot of people miss because of how upbeat and happy Umbop mm -hmm. sounds. But actually, the lyrics are about how things don't last always with friends, about potentially mm -hmm. losing relationships and basically trying to hold on to life when it's moving way too fast. And that, you know, only yeah. too well. You spent the 90s on fast forward. So I wondered if we could rewind. Mm -hmm. Could you select a moment that you'd, if you could just go back and revisit it and breathe it in because you just didn't have time at the time. Where mm -hmm. would you go and why? One of the things that we've, we have been able to do is, is meet some of our heroes. Um, yeah. And, and um, getting to really just realize how, how strange it is to suddenly reach the, a pinnacle moment where you, you're suddenly almost a peer. You don't think you're a peer, but, but you're presented as if you are when you break out and have some success. Yeah. And 
you know, one of the things that we didn't do is because um, it was a you know tumultuous time. But I really wish we would have met Michael Jackson because uh, he, we were such huge Michael Jackson fans and and didn't. And there were a couple times where that almost happened. Yeah. And just you know, you have these legends, you know, that you, yeah. you're you're within striking distance and. Um, and obviously, he that. was an unusual human. Of course, of course. But uh, very talented yes. human. Everyone knows all the, all the factors, but he was a legend. He was a huge inspiration. So, like, knowing when people didn't pass, you know, you go, wow, I wish I wish that ex would have been the same. I don't spend a lot of time. What, what would you have asked him out of interest? What would you have asked Michael Jackson? Because clearly, I mean, it's obviously, it's, I, I would imagine that you're your fandom sits around his music and not yeah. his personal choices. Yeah, yeah. it's all music. I mean, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a I mean, question I, of just I, asking. It would have been a question of, 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 of just that, that organic connection where you meet somebody that just gets it. You know, obviously, yeah. incredible performer, incredible legend, yeah. incredible talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it would just be, honestly, the amount, the opportunity, just like we've met Billy Joel, we've met Paul McCartney, yeah, yeah, we've yeah. met some, you know, incredible mm. legends, Elton John. Um, yeah. You know, but, that just to be able do you, to say, do you remain wow. cool in those moments. Were you able to remain cool in those moments and show your best self? <laughs> we were, we were, I think we were relatively, I think we're relatively cool with a, a few. I mean, we, so one of our first interesting, like kind of uh, celebrity interaction moments was actually before the record came out, or at least for me anyway, which was talking to Steven Tyler on the phone. Yeah. Because wow. so we were huge Aerosmith fans and we wrote uh, a couple of songs with our good friend uh, who ended up producing a bunch of the, uh, a bunch of the, a bunch of records of ours with us, Mark Hudson, and he wrote the song "Living on the Edge" uh, with Aerosmith, and and we I told know Mark Hudson, Mark Hudson with the multicolored beard. Oh yes, Mark Hudson with the multicolored beard. Is there any other? Mark he was Hudson? our voice coach on the first season of X Factor here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. With Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, and he, yeah, so he. He said, oh, you're Aerosmith fans. And we're like, well, yeah, I mean, that's part of why we want to write with you, you know, Mark, because, you know, you wrote Living on the Edge and things like that. And also he had his own brother band at one point as well. Um, but yeah. uh, and he said, oh, well, I'll just call Stephen right now. And that was that was really rad. That was really, really cool. You were kind of going humans. Exactly. Just, yeah. Well, and then the other funny thing was we had a because of those connections, I actually had it several times where we ran into Stephen at various different points, uh, uh, also with his kids, because his wife. Uh, at the time was from was from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And yeah. so there was a bunch of like funny little things where- So I've turned it all into celebrity relive. Yeah, relive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but that's, I mean, those are but, the things- But that these are peers, right? These are, that's why you want to go back and revisit it. Cause you probably want to maximize those moments, yeah. right? These yeah. are the people that yeah. inspire. You know, one thing, exactly. one thing that we did at the beginning of our second record that really never saw the light of day and, and sort of it, it's in a little bit of a sad uh, picture now is just, so we started working on that record with Rick Ocasek, Kasich from uh, The Cars. And, and now sort of realizing sort of the amount of sort of wisdom Rick had, you know, it, it would have been so to, to, to really soak up more of that. He's such a great writer and, and producer. And, you know, now, now that he's not with us anymore, that that's a moment you kind of look back and go, man, I really wish that would have come to fruition and, and been a record people could hear. Yeah. What about the gigs that you forget you've done? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes people just send me clips of things that I, and I'm like, I have, how did I not know that I did that? No clue whatsoever. <laughs> well, <laughs> just completely forgotten it, fallen out of my head. And then, you know, definitely some incredible milestones, um, especially those early, early days. I mean, it was a bit of a blur because you're going from zero to, I mean, being in a place, million, being in a place <laughs> yeah. like Melbourne, yeah. some of this stuff is documented, but you know, the, the scale is really hard to even explain. 
But at a time, really, the internet's emerging. We really had an internet fan base, probably the yeah. arguably the first, first band. Yeah, because of the age and the time. I mean, it, you had MTV's website and then Hanson's website were the top music websites in the world. Um, and Wow, the, isn't that brilliant though? That's yeah, kind yeah. of dovetailing of technology, time, the right moment, the right band. Exactly. It's all happening. And, and But walking on stage is, you know, flying to a place like Australia for the first time and going to do what was supposed to be an in-store acoustic performance and looking out at 30,000 people stacked in a parking lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's impossible to articulate what that what that looks like. I mean, we... We were flying in on helicopters to land in areas because you couldn't physically get to spaces. So, like that, that those extreme experiences, you, uh, you don't so much want to hold on to them too long because your your body overloads. Like it's too much of an adrenaline. Yeah. But, but just the the sheer power. You know, I've said I've kind of coined this because I was trying to make sense of it myself, and I realized it's true. Is you you can be destroyed by this sort of the trauma of that kind of success. But you can also use it as a tool to understand what's possible. And so now I think I think I'm kind of a dangerous person to be around because I've we've seen the un, impossible happen. Like we've yeah, seen exactly. absolutely impossible scenarios happen. Three guys from you know from Tulsa writing recording a song in a garage band that don't really seem like they match with anything. Grew up with listening to Motown records, and and here you are at 11, you know, 14 and 16 performing and having number one record in you know 27 countries simultaneously uh, and now 25 years later to still have this i mean this will be the largest consecutive tour uh, we've ever done uh, yeah. 25 years in i think it, it's going to end up being 90 plus shows you know in about 20 different countries it's it's, it's also the most condensed <laughs> period of time yeah. it's like 90 plus shows in five months yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's a really great way to look at, uh, at what was a madness. I mean, like a, like you say, you know, 30,000 people in a parking lot in a country that you've never been to before. Yeah. It's quite terrifying. Yeah. Or it's exciting. It's, it's a little bit of terror, 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 terror sighting. Terror sighting. There's one. There's one. Terror That's the next album sorted. Terror sighting, my hands. So one thing people don't think about, which is really kind of, it kind of lets you off the hook is, uh, and in a scenario like that, no one can hear what you're saying or singing. So mm, you go on stage and it's just <sighs> no sound. You could just mime it all. So the one we thing didn't. you do get to not worry about is did we sound any good? Because <laughs> <laughs> no one can hear you. <laughs> Maybe he didn't. I worried about it. Yeah, nobody, was... nobody knows that Isaac screwed up the chords to Madeline that day. <laughs> But I know this, I guess, technically is still one question, right? You said, what would you relive? But, you know, one of the things that that people don't necessarily know, I mean, the fans know this and people that have kind of read a little bit, but we, we really were, I mentioned Michael Jackson because, you know, we were really living, we grew up in the 80s, of course, so Michael Jackson was big, but the Jackson 5 and the Soul Records before that and 50s and 60s rock and roll, we, our heroes were artists that had had careers and we'd found the songs that lasted. We'd found the bands that had already... It wasn't just, this is what's happening right now. I mean, we became fans of bands in the 90s as well as we were growing up. But we were really like fans of legends. Like we thought they were the, the rock stars of our, of our time. They were our time for us, like 50s and 60s. That was current for us. And so when we were breaking out, we were experiencing this stuff. We were replaying, wow, I guess this is kind of like a little piece of what the Beatles must have felt. Or this is the Jackson 5. And so we, mm -hmm. we were kind of, we were going into that vortex 
and then asking, okay, so what's how do we how do we have that longevity? And then nobody can predict it, of course. Nobody can control yeah, it. Yeah. But we definitely had that perspective that somebody could have a career, not just have a moment. It's, it's because because your attention has always landed with people with great heritage. And you're right, you're not looking at the artists that you're talking about there have got a body of work, right? Stuff that you can dive into and really rummage around in. And that's what you've done. It's, that's, it's always been the hope. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So any more moments that you would love to go back and revisit? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we had an interesting scenario, and I often, I do slightly lament this. Okay. The one downside of being as young as we were was that there were not some of the opportunities that you had to connect with some of you. You were going to go to the bar. Well, you were going to go to the party. <laughs> I, thought <laughs> gonna say, I thought you were going to no. say turning down doing Sesame Street because we didn't want to be seen as a kid then. <laughs> oh, no, actually, no, actually, that's the one. That's the you one. You didn't turn down Sesame did this. Street. So this, this is an example of both. This is an <gasps> example of both the trauma and the kind of maybe a little bit, both too, a little too self-preoccupied and a little bit too in the moment or something, I don't know. But we were honestly offered an opportunity to be on Sesame Street. And anybody that knows me knows I am obsessed with Kermit the Frog. And I have a little proper size, like actual Elmo puppet that my wife had made for me. That I would, <laughs> that I would do the voice and everything for the kids when they were little. And all this stuff. When they were little, like last week. Like last week. You know, well, now they're 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for Still the boys. doing it. Anyway, but, <laughs> but we got offered to be on Sesame Street. And we were so frustrated with being pigeonholed as being this, you know, kid band that we looked at each yeah. other and went, I'd love to do that. I wish we could do that. Don't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't do it. And of course, I mean, I don't, in the States, you know, that's kind, of a, that's kind of a legendary show now. I mean, even though it's a kid. Everywhere. Not just the States. Yeah. I mean, Stevie Wonder did Sesame Street. I know. There's so many. I mean, we're, we're picking some interesting ones. But, I mean, one of the things that's odd about it is that the things you do, like being at Carnegie Hall, walking on stage at Carnegie Hall, you know, after we'd started our label, and we were sort of marking the, the new dawn of a, the band with an indie label and launching that third record. That's okay. a moment you'd like to live again. I mean, oh yeah, um, you know, being able to, like we mentioned, you know, you meet these heroes, but, um, you know, really hearing your song on on radio for the first time and having that like aha moment of like oh my god here i am in new york yeah and they're playing our record like how did that happen like, yeah and being able to just being able to like do a little bit loop back and feel what that felt like in that moment again. i remember just, we were in times square yeah. in the in the uh in the little like van that we were van, in the yeah. limousine that we were like driving i don't remember whether it was from the it wasn't from the airport, but we were headed to do some press or something. And first time we ever heard it on, you know, on the radio. And so just appreciate, I think just more than anything, appreciating the things that have happened that, you know, being yeah. able to hold on to that. Um, but, you, you know, you just keep moving forward. So that's the, those are the kind of moments that you'd like to bottle, right? If you could put that, just hearing your record on the radio for the first time, if you could just take the lid off once in a while and smell that again, that would be so lovely, wouldn't it? Yes, yes it would be. And, and I would go back to myself and say, mm -hmm. Do Sesame Street, you bozo. <laughs> or do, yeah, do, do the moment. Stop it. <laughs> uh, actually, with that in mind, let's move on to my second question, because it sits around this area. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I wanted to talk to you about hindsight because in the 30 years that you've been making music together, uh, you've obviously along the way acquired wisdom, life lessons, all kinds of education. Uh, What do you wish you'd known sooner that would have paved ways to better outcomes or just better being for you? Your acquired pearls of wisdoms, please, boys. Well, you know, I, I think there is a thing that we really were gifted with early on, which is a sense of self-confidence in in the studio and writing and knowing exactly what we needed to do musically to be happy and to live with it for years and years. That that kind of discovering legendary artists as your first experience, right? Many of the artists we listened to had already passed away by the time we discovered them. And so you kind of had this perspective of longevity. But but what that doesn't give you is the experience Mm -hmm. in the business world, right? Yeah. Of, of record yeah. contracts and, and this and that, and to see kind of how do I make these steps into places I just I'm not comfortable with. And I think there are several places in our career where we knew the right choice, but it still took us two or three years to make it, you know, to leave a label, to, to leave a manager, to, to find that place to go out on your own over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, if I could talk to me, then it would just be to sort of lean in and go, hey, you got to follow your gut on this too. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait because, um, you know, you develop this sense, I think being a performer, being on stage, reading audiences of kind of following your gut. And, and honestly, that usually translates into all the other situations in life. You get a sense about that person. Hey, I need to say something to that person. They look like they're struggling or, or, you know, they say this is the the best manager in town, but but I don't trust them. I just don't get a good vibe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so there there are situations like that, you know, yeah. where we knew on our second album we needed to leave that label, and uh, and we didn't. We released it with them, and and now you look back and you go, hey, we should have trusted our gut. We we knew what we needed to do. But when you think about what a gut instinct is, it's actually a physical response to something. It's something that's so strong that you can't contain it. If you think of it like that, you'd listen to it more, right? In large part, I think 
we we have tried to to take those leaps. In some cases, I mean, there's many artists that have suffered, long suffered, much longer than we did. We watched their careers just sort of whittle away. Yeah. Um, and so you you know you know that now. I think yes, like what would you learn earlier? And so I would agree with the sentiment of sticking to your gut. Um, and and I think just continuing, I would say knowing how important it is also to find more and more mentorship, especially when you start young. Yeah, you know, we sure. craving. You know, we we've been very independent, but also we've we've benefited greatly by the the mentors that have shown up. The whether we mentioned Mark Hudson was a great, you know, as a producer, as a ranger, somebody that was, you know, influential and somebody mm-hmm. that we consider a peer. But, you know, people like Danny Korchmar, you know, who co-produced with um, on our fourth record. And those, seeking those people out even earlier in the career to really build more and more of those pillars of, hey, can you be somebody? Because when you're breaking out so young, you're sort of, there you are, and you're supposed to know this stuff. You're supposed to know it all. And we have you know good family, good good people around us, but still, just like the pearls of wisdom that you wish you could have grabbed in that moment, that you can't. No matter what you say, you can't relive things. You just get that you get that first moment. That's it. It's almost like saying to yourself, "Hey, look, I know you're self reliant, and you kind of feel like you have to be, and that's right. But you know, make sure th- to find as many you know in your kind of sphere of influence that you can kind of pull in to help you out. Yeah, find your people. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, I feel like you can, yeah, opinions are not always correct, but it, but if you have as many people that you can trust in your circle, the better off you are. Probably yeah. hire a more aggressive stockbroker. <laughs> Actually, that's Amazon true, too. Apple earlier, I think, yeah. say that. Yeah. I would agree with that yeah. as well. Yeah, that's that a that would be like just knowing things. Let's know things. You know? Exactly. There's going to be this little car company. Well, they're going to go electric, and yeah, you know, just get it. Yeah. yeah. What you're talking about too is is really finding people who have been through it already. Exactly. You know, what we we were gifted this environment that was three brothers who could share the burden, right? But even though we were sharing a lot of it, which I think helped us through so many scenarios, we still were insulated, looking inward, with without a lot of sort of. Um, there was no Sherpa. There was no guide, you know, there was no, there, and, and there, it's hard to find a guide for, for this kind of Band meteoric rise. Yeah, you know, exactly. who's been through that. But, but I think what they're both talking about is that sense of, of really sort of looking out in the world and saying, I, I'm going to need help. And so instead of waiting until it's, it's gotten so crazy, I don't know what to do, really keep your eyes open for those people who can, can give you a little perspective, you mm. know, from the top of the mountain. Because it is, I mean, like you're right. You you talk about right at the beginning of this uh, answer. You said, you know, you had this confidence. This, you were self assured as musicians in the studio because it's what you do. But when you start looking at contracts, or you're sitting in marketing meetings, or they're talking about offsetting costs against advances and percentages, you're thinking, hang on a minute, I'm still at school. Uh, you know, I haven't even got an exam qualification. Uh, you know, it's you're expected to know about a job that you never applied for. Yeah, well, I think I think I think it's also the 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 fame game is the other thing, right? Which I think is a lot of what you're also talking about, Zach. Too, wow. it's not just the business element; it's also the kind of like how do we play this popularity contest game in the right way? How do you know what to lean into and what not to? Some of that is your own personal choice, and you have to make that. But I often think too, you know, I mean, we we always had this kind of back and forth kind of 
feeling of like, okay, you want to be serious enough because we took what we did seriously, but then sometimes we took it too seriously. Like going back to the, it's like yeah. the, it's like the Sesame Street wow. thing where you're like, well, that was, I understand why I made that decision, but in that particular case, you know, I should have listened to our manager who said, are you sure? <laughs> a career is much more like a song than it is like a, a pie chart um, in the sense that a, a song has different meaning for you at different points in your life. Yeah. And you can experience both the joy of youth in a song and, and sort of the melancholy of, of lost time in that same song. And I think that's really the, the really hard part when you're in it, in any moment where life is just so full. And this is true of parenting too, looking at your kids. You know, I have five kids and, uh, you know, thinking about a minute ago I had one and now I have five, right? <laughs> and... Um, I think, you know, that's the hard thing when you're in it and you're really struggling to, to tell your story, to realize no matter how good of a job you do today, it will change tomorrow and it will change a year from now. And people will begin to see all of those um, experiences through a collective. And so all you have to do is worry about the collective, the big picture over time. Do it today. Do whatever comes, do it today. But but know that what you do today will be seen through the lens of time. And so in 30 years, what might have been a, a bad day might be a great story that you tell in a different right, way. Exactly. Isn't right. it funny how jokes often are tragedies in reality? Like in the <laughs> moment, so, it's a tragedy. You know? So, yeah. um, you know, so it, it's sort of, it's, I, I think it's I just holding it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. It's probably holding it a little looser and, yeah. and knowing Open hands. that because you know you don't control it, you don't try and control everything. You just yeah. control yourself. This, this is great wisdom. How on earth have you managed to get to such a sensible and intelligent headspace? I commend you. <laughs> I, married, I married a great woman. <laughs> she beat it into me. <laughs> Did she really? <laughs> uh, you've all been married, gosh, how many uh, years? Uh, Taylor's been married almost 20 years. Zach's been married uh, wow. almost 16, same yeah. for me. Wow, congratulations. See, when I say you defy every odds, you're the band of brothers that didn't do the Gallagher thing and fall out. You married your, your sweethearts and you're still together and you have enough children to open a small school. Uh, and you still really like each other. <laughs> I don't know about that last one. <laughs> okay, sorry. Too Depends on the day. No, I'm kidding. We have, we have a great deal of respect for each other, and we do like each other. We, we, yeah. we, don't, we don't agree a lot, a, a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think, it, you know, I mean, it, you're kind of going back to these, you know, not to be the, not to think we have all the answers, because we definitely do not, and I definitely do not. But I do think there's just such an obsession with, like, with youth and with self in the world. I, I think that a lot of the joy is missed that, you know, you, you gain a lot by giving a lot. You know, you gain a lot by mm -hmm. trying to stand mm -hmm. by somebody, you know, people that, you know, if anybody that has kids knows it's, it's very intense, it's very stressful, it's, but you then fall in love with these humans because you've given to one another. And you've and given so, so much of yourself yeah. to them. It's like we lived in, New, we <laughs> were here in New York um, and we lived in New York for a few years, you know, on and off as we launched our label back, you know, back in 2004, three, four, five. Yeah. And, and I, after we lived through a winter in New York, I, I would just I was set on the fact that all New Yorkers that lived through a winter should get some sort of medal <laughs> that says I survived New York in the winter. And I think 
that's with kids, with family, with with business, you know, something long. I think like wearing your badges of survival, like, I think is one of the things that people miss about doing hard things. Like if you don't do any hard things, you don't get any badges, right? You don't get to, you're just, you just kept. So I, I think that's part of it. It's just kind of having realized, and, and honestly, I would say. Actually, good things are hard. Good things that's are hard. the first place. I was going to say, yeah. yeah actually, so often yeah. the best things are the hardest things to do, you know? In a weird way, like writing songs, doing music, it's kind of a little microcosm because it, it shouldn't be painful, painful, but it, it takes effort. It takes focus. It takes some yeah. sort of determination. Like, you don't just wake up like, hey, I just wrote a book last night. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it, it sort of takes a little bit of yeah. doing. You and know, I also think, that is. and going back to like gut instinct kind of stuff, like in, in the hard work, you know, I think about that time when I took a mattress uh, to the dump, except oh. for I didn't take the uh, few minutes to uh, properly it tie it down. <laughs> oh, God. And as it goes hurling across the highway, I think, oh, God, I really should have done the work. I really should have done the work. Oh, man, nothing more, nothing more humbling and, and reminder of always do it the right way, oh, even though it takes longer. I'm glad that that's harder. the story that you can see that we think of hard work. I just like want relatable things in some way or mattress. another. Like your redneck past, <laughs> like, grandma's on that mattress, you just chopped it up, laid it on the backyard. <laughs> I don't know if that relates to anyone in the UK, but you know. <laughs> we get it, don't worry. We have Netflix. Yeah. We yeah, understand. You have Tiger King. You've yeah, seen. you know Tiger King. It, it's in Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Now it makes total sense. Do you, do you know them? Uh, no. What's no, his no, name? No. Joe we, Exotic. No. We are not related. Joe Exotic. And, and of I course. just, I think we all want to put this on record. We also did not vote for Joe Exotic. <laughs> We're not really a political band, but that we want to be political about. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know what? God bless America. He put his name on the ballot, and, and you didn't know. win. <laughs> My wife. Did, we watched that show. She just looked at him and she goes, did you know there were this many tigers when you made me move to Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. I'm like, no one knows. I'm like, I had an inkling. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, my third and final question. Has one of your wives sat at the very heart of it? Are you ready? Isaac, uh, the story of how you met your wife, I mean, it really chimed with me. You saw her, if I got this right, you saw her in a crowd uh-huh. at a gig. Uh-huh. And you and you you knew there was a there was a connection. Uh-huh. There was something. Uh-huh. And you, you went to the stage manager. It's hormones, is that what we're calling it? <laughs> uh, you went to the stage manager and said, you, you know, you have to stop her leaving. Yeah. And that was the beginning of what has become a very happy marriage and yeah. a beautiful family. I mean, as moments go, it's courageous, it's audacious, and it's frankly inspiring. I want to know when else you've all seized the moment to make something as memorable and meaningful happen for you. I think that that one takes the cake for me as a whole. It was both the most persistent and bravest moment in some ways that I, because I I had to try hard. You know, know, what what people may not realize, so Isaac met his wife. Uh, by by getting stage manager, hey that girl, I, I got to meet that girl. Um, I mean, it sounds grubby. I'll be honest. It doesn't it does. sound, you know. I mean, I, I struggle to make it sound romantic. It could also be borderline a bit like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it was, the, it was, the story it was, it was people romantic. don't know is Taylor and I met both of our wives at a concert at the same concert. Not no. where Isaac told someone, oh hey, I've got to meet those girls, and they happen to be my wife. 
and Taylor Swift. No. You, sh- you shut up. You it serious? wasn't quite like that, but that's what it was like. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so start. Right, rewind, rewind, rewind. Would... Start at the beginning. How did the, how did this one unfold? Trying to rescue. Exactly. This. Let's just simplify it. They they we met them on tour in Atlanta, and yes, Isaac technically met both of our wives first. Yes. yes. So I think we should stop. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm starting to smell some sort of Netflix series yeah, that yeah, charts yeah. No, your serial no philandering. <laughs> I just, I like to think of it as I'm the matchmaker. Right. I, it's fine. All that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. and that all of the I great things that. in your life, you owe me. I mean, I, Isaac, I'm trusting that this was before you'd actually met your wife that you were kind of sending out for these women. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Many years. Yeah. Like so, so, so how did it, uh, seriously, how did it work? <laughs> these girls, your wives were at a gig and he spotted them first? Yes. No, they no. were invited by, they were invited by somebody that toured with us at, and they, they had been at, a, we did a series of events with Macy's where they were like a, we did fashion events with them. And Zach's wife, uh, now wife, yeah. uh, was one of the models at the. You can see it at the show, and then, and then. Uh, you guys are being too detailed. It's not fun anymore. Right. And then I, you know, yeah, I, I, I made sure that that they came and said hello. Yes. Yes. He said, "Look wow. at those beautiful girls. Yes. They shouldn't be with those." Grubby crew guys. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they should be here <laughs> on the good bus. <laughs> yeah. but, but as sees the moments go, I mean, it's pretty spectacular. Um, how receptive were they when they were invited to come and meet you? Or was was there a little bit of like, mm. they, they were very Well, receptive. why don't we go back to Nikki? How yeah. receptive was your wife? I think she was kind of freaked out, actually. To yeah. be honest. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> well, no. Well, my wife is actually quite introverted, uh, and and I think she was a little bit thrown because I was so gung ho. Like, hey, we should go. We should go out. We should do some stuff. I'm only here for so long. It, it's New Orleans. <laughs> let's go have a good time. She's there with her friend, you know. And we were, you know, we were we we hung out all all night until the bus had to leave and. Uh, with and you know went dancing in Bourbon, on Bourbon Street. She was, I think she she was, she was. I hope I think impressed because you know she stuck around. <laughs> she did give me her number at the end, and we did get a photo. Yeah. Absolutely, you did. Yeah, and you still have it. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> night the night we met. Yeah, it's one of those. Usually, people are asking for photos with you. You were like, "Can I get a photo?" <laughs> Actually, yeah, that is true. <laughs> I'm, I'm the thinking. photo was on my camera. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I, I'm not never going right. to forget you. Exactly. Yeah. Let's, let's take a photo quick. <laughs> but was it as instantaneous as the anecdotes suggest? Was it that moment of like, that's it, she's the one? Well, I legitimately, I don't know about these guys when they met their wives, but I, I legitimately had a panic moment because she, she was kind of not impressed by the famousness and the, you know, you know, we're at the show thing. She was kind of like, oh, he's he's just flirting with the crowd. She was being, she was being, it, not, knowing my wife now, I understand why she was being that way. And it's, it doesn't cease to be funny. But, but she, she was going to leave. She was legitimately going to leave. I you literally sung f- the entire show to her. Yes, I had mm-hmm. sung the entire show to her. I threw, <laughs> I threw a guitar pick at her and hit her with it. She still has the guitar pick. Um, she was going to leave. I was like, I literally, I mean, did, did, she's six, 
something feet away, you know, uh, just a few people back from the barricade at the show. And I'm like, you go over there, you know? And he's like, oh, that's where the merch is. He's telling us to go buy a t-shirt. Are you freaking serious? I make an ass of myself in public. And, and she's like, oh, we're gonna leave. And that was the moment I panicked because I'd made, I'd made it very clear, you know, that I was, that I was thoroughly interested in, in meeting her. And she was gonna leave. And so I got the stage manager. I said, you see these two, those two girls? Cause she was there with her friend who had really like bright blonde hair. I'm like, don't let those two people leave. Yeah. You know, entrapment it, it, it doesn't really sort. sound too much romantic <laughs> yeah. when I hear it. It sounds a little more stalkery, controlling. She didn't say romantic. Yeah. She said seize, seize the, the moment. moment. Yeah. It was definitely a seize yeah, the I mean, moment. Can I, yeah, you know, there, uh, slash injunction. I'm going to try and save us from the details of time. <laughs> more of a story okay. about our romantic moments. And say, <laughs> so one, legend, one of the early kind of semi-local people that made a difference in our career was a guy named Jim Halsey, who's now in his 90s, still works, represents many, many artists. And Oak Ridge and, Boys, amongst others. And try, yeah. I mean, he represented like half the country artists in the last, you know, 30 years. Wow. Um, incredible guy. He he was doing a conference in our hometown where he was meeting, bringing people together to try and sort of, you know, essentially, you know, curate, bringing more people into management and labels and trying to find artists. And trying to talk so, to people in Oklahoma about it. This is how the so music business works. We we um yeah. we knew we knew he was in town, and so we he was staying at a hotel. Um, and one morning, uh, both of our our folks, our mom is extremely tenacious, and we were very young at this time. You know, said, "Hey, you know, we know we know that they're, he's going to be here. Jim Hall's going to be there. We really should just should go try and make sure to meet him." Um, and so we got up um, uninvited, you know, at seven a.m. that morning. Mm-hmm. Showed up in at the hotel at seven thirty. Seven thirty, ready to sing in our with our three in the daughters. lobby. <laughs> Yeah. And we, and my, our dad, at the time, our dad calls upstairs. Again, this was, they were, our folks were, you know, never the stage parents. Like they were very much, but they were willing to jump in and, and kind of, they got it that we really wanted they, to do it. They weren't, and he, they were assertive. Hey, so they, they, so there we are in the lobby and, um, he calls, and this he calls up to the room and Jim goes hello and he's like, Hey, my name's Walker Hanson. I'm, and uh, I've got, my sons are performers and they really, you know, they're really interested in making music and I'd love to get a chance to talk to you. And he said, that's great. Um, the conference, you know, is happening, you know, later today. And he said, no, you don't understand. We're in the lobby <laughs> right now. And so Jim, you know, Jim comes down and, you know, kind yeah. of pulls Good himself man. together. Good man. And, and let me just tell you this. Before you sing, you're the only ones in the lobby. You're the only ones in the lobby. Right. So, so that's. And hence, you know, the tenacity, you know, and there's yeah. so many examples. Be the only one in the lobby. Be the first one in the lobby. Absolutely. Wow. You know, there's, I mean, whether it was telling the story. That's of, great. The label that, who ultimately signed us, you know, was an unlikely concert, you know, in the, on a on the flatbed of a truck, you know, out in a tiny little town called Coffeeville, Kansas. You know, that was the, the, the guy that signed us was at that show where you're like, oh man, this is the worst. Like show. of all the shows to come to, we have no fans. They'd so, rather hear us sing country music. We don't do country music. You know, so there's so many of those things that when people tell tell their stories, you know, you talk about Carnegie Hall, you talk about the symphony, you talk yeah. about the hits, you talk about the 30,000 people in a parking lot. But yeah. but really, the, the the power is in the, being the first one, the only one in the lobby, being the last one to leave, you know, hopping on the plane to, to try and meet that one person you think might make a difference to, you know, the, the, those things where you really kind of didn't have a guarantee. Mm-hmm. You know, even starting the label, you know, we, when we started the label in 2003, 2004, we'd had a lot of success. 
we had a very high value as a, you know, an entity, but people really didn't know what to do with, with us. You know, a lot of people around us, they did pretty much expected us to, to sort of fold in a way, to, to, to kind of cower at the moment. And, and not because we, would, we didn't have a certain amount of success potential. It was just sense of, well, there's too many question marks. You know, this is probably going to start to fizzle out. And so that, those are the moments that really define whether or not you have a career and, and sort of, you know, seizing the moment. There, yeah. There's a long list of those and, and they're not, most of them are not, they're not know, glamorous. They're not like, and then I met my wife. Because you, know? <laughs> no. you never have to stop seizing moments. But if you if you understand the power of them, and um, because you take a gamble and it pays off, if you are the first in the lobby, uh, then then you understand that those those gamble moments can come in. They can, you know, you can cash them in big time. Yeah. What they they say is you can't win games you don't play, right? And so there's there's no guarantees. But if you're not if you're not in the lobby. No one's going to hear you oh, sing. And I love the fact that he came down and acknowledged that you were the first in the lobby. I mean, did he do anything with you guys? Did he sign you? Or was it just that, that one kind of soundbite that, that fueled you on? He represented really kind of giving us a strong foundation to actually go after it. He saved our butts, yeah. really. What he did is he introduced us to a really credible music attorney that became kind of our, our old, the old guard, literally, uh, you know, incredible attorney. And... As we began to pitch and you know really go after getting signed or find a manager, um, he saved us from that attorney saved us from signing a deal that would have really ruined our lives. A big label that was notorious for for signing people with horrible horrible deals. Jim introduced us to kind of a, a pathway, honestly, to building a really strong team. Like that that was yeah. really, that was really, and we're still friends with Jim. I mean, he's in his nineties and still works every day. And, yeah. Still manages the Oak Ridge yeah. Boys, classic country band. And, uh, the it's kind of Clive Davis with the Stetson, yeah? Yeah, yeah, there yeah you exactly. Go. And, and yeah. more character. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, which doesn't say a lot. Isn't that remarkable, though? Because in so many ways, that moment, um, you know, he, he, he was a bit of a guardian angel there. Absolutely. You can, you, it, you know, the wrong deal can freeze your career, can stop you releasing music. It can mm -hmm. kill your soul. You know, yeah, and, it, and and certain things almost did. I mean, you know, like going back to that as an example, just for people that just to understand something like so you have songwriting royalties that you get paid. If we would have signed the deal uh, that we were originally offered that by that, that, that by that label and the attorney said, hey, don't do it. And this attorney, again, was, you know, was brought to us by Jim Halsey. We would have uh, given away almost half of all of our songwriting royalties for the rest of our lives. Wow. So they want, this is a, this is a, what's what they call um, imperpetuity, is that right? In perpetuity, yeah, yeah, yeah. In perpetuity, yeah. yes. Perpetuity which basically means eternity. Yeah. <laughs> Until so, the return so of Christ. That, that, exactly. That eternity. Yeah. <laughs> they, they wanted to shrink it down. Yeah. 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 That, and that, this is something, you know, this is something that George Michael fought and fought and fought um, yeah. and Prince. And you need people like that, that. And it damaged their careers. It damaged their ability to make music and put it out to people. Uh, but but it's you know you need people like that that stand up on a principle. And one of the things it points to, and we're getting fairly deep into this discussion, but it points to being at a different point in your career. And, and we're all different in the way we create things. But I know I can feel it myself. Uh, you know, we've got still got hopefully many many more years being a creator. But I do have a sense more than ever of wanting to be that for other people. You know, yeah. wanting to impart, wanting to save somebody's life by giving them the power to be a more of a, a to be that dangerous 
you know, creative force that actually knows their stuff, that knows their business, you know, that knows how to make. And takes what you did and pales it and does something that, you know, you, yours, what you've done pales and compares yeah. what they've done. To be able to inspire people and, and, and to be able to be kind of be a steward for other creators, especially artists that, you know, it's this strange thing that, you know, most it's not that it's not any, it takes any less effort because it takes in many cases, I think more effort than most career paths. But you do have a strange thing where you're, you have this risk of if you break, oftentimes people that do break in music, you know, you don't go through five years of school to then go become, you know, to yeah. become a, an attorney or a doctor or to be, mm -hmm. you, you could go from a garage to a stadium, you know, it can yeah. happen. And it so does what happen. happens, you know, to be prepared to, to know how to manage that is really it's it's like you're at huge risk but um but you know there's a lot there's a lot that can be learned and the minute you have those tools you're like oh i get it i can look out for that yeah. so and anyway we we digress but it is um, thanks to jim for saving our butt yeah he really did and, and um i've told him that recently um you know, talking about reflecting what you would learn you know what you do differently and and uh, I, that that seeking guidance, you know, and seizing moments, and um, kind of having those extra. It's interesting because there are sort of two ends of the spectrum: having the vision and the wisdom, and then also seizing the now. Um, yeah. They're both having the both equally to go relevant. out there. Yeah, having that fire, yeah. you know. Yeah, they kind of bookend each other, don't they? If you get them both aligned at the beginning and the end of your journey, then you know, great things can happen in between. Gentlemen, I honestly, you are a tonic, not only on record, but in conversation as well. It's been an absolute pleasure to have breakfast with you this morning uh, <laughs> to you. give my very best to New York. Um, I hope you've enjoyed White Wine Question Time. I'm sorry about the lack of wine. Very Next enjoyable. Time. Next time with wine. Yes. We'll yes, please. Yes, please. And um, you're back in the UK. You're, you're coming back to the UK. Is that right? We'll be in the UK in June um, and then all over Europe. So let's, yeah. let's do it in person. And Red, Green and Blue is out now wherever you get your music. And uh, the tour dates can be found on one of the world's most visited internet sites from the 90s, Hanson.net. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Hey! <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. And if you fancy hearing more great chat with sonically gifted music superstars, have a listen to our back catalogue where you can find episodes with the likes of Steps, Gary Barlow, Lisa Stansfield, Banana Rama, Ella Henderson, Ray, Danny Minogue, Ali Jones, Sophie Ellis Spector, Elfie Bowen, Michael Ball, James Morrison, Jack Severetti. I mean, I've run out of breath, but they're all in there and many more. As always, my thanks to Ben Robbins and the Yahoo Studios team for producing this show alongside me. And editing is this week by Andy Angson. Our music, as always, comes from Andy Bell. And don't forget to check out his solo material or his work with Ride and Oasis wherever you get your music. I'll be back next Friday with more great guests. Until then, look after yourselves. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 